Welcome to Donne Talks, provided to you by Donne, Women in Music. I am your host, Gabriella Dilatio, and in every episode I interview guests who are amplifying change, people who are using their voices and their positions to create bigger impact in our society. Today's guest is the multi-talented artist Carla Mafioletti. Carla is a classical singer, guitarist, composer, arranger and music producer. From 2002 to 2014, she was the star soloist of the world-famous violinist André Rieu. Since then, she has been engaged in opera seasons in Switzerland and Germany, as well as performing concerts, recitals worldwide. We are human beings creating a human material, art material, that is going to touch the souls of everybody. So it's something that is never, it can never be su substituted by pixels. Never. It's really, so is that what, what we have to create an environment to captivate our public, our world, to be sensitive again, to be sensitive again, to come back to the theaters again. If we leave them go, they're going to disappear. And that's our mission. Welcome, Carla Mafialetti. It's so nice to be talking to you today. How are you? I'm so nice to be talking to you, Gabby. It's really, um, you are really such a dear friend, a person that I admire a lot. So I'm very happy to be with you here today. Well, likewise, for, for people who don't know, we, we come from the same hometown in Brazil. So it's uh, so lovely to have our sisters here in Europe as well. Yes. Carla, today well, I wanted to talk to you about many things, so we, we, we must start because time's going to be short. I think for the people who don't know you, it would be very interesting to talk about a few journeys. So the first journey I wanted to talk about was your journey from Brazil to Europe. And as part of that, your journey as a musician, as a singer, and if you could tell us a little bit more about that. How how did Carla, the musician, singer, multi-artist, became <laughs> Carla? And what brought you here? Well, I was born in the same town as you. I come from a family from a, my mother is a music professor in the university, a well-known researcher for music education. So I was brought in a in a home where music was very normal. So I first studied violin and I didn't like, and then I wanted to study guitar. And that's how I began my first uh, steps in music. I went to university to, and I have also a graduation as a classical guitarist. So that was my base. And uh, in the university, I discovered my voice. I never sang that before, never sang, and uh, I found that fantastic. Uh, in the first six months, I was already on stage doing uh, the, the magic flute, and I thought, my God, that's, that's the life I want to have. You know, this stage bug got me totally. And I, I knew for a fact that I wanted to go to Europe. I think you know as well as a part of of our education as classical singers, you want to study where the jobs and where the whole culture is. So I made everything to happen to come to Europe. I ended up in a master class from a Dutch uh, professor in Maastricht. And I really loved her as, as, as a professor, as also a human being. And she gave me also scholarship. Uh, half pay tuition so I was I was accepted at the conservatorium and I decided to come to Europe I was young was really soon after my graduation from guitar I was already singing a long time ago and uh, with a very famous singing teacher in in, in Brazil Neide Thomas he's she's a celebrity she's she made a career in uh, in Deutsche Oper in Berlin. So it was somebody who knew exactly what was the requirements to make an international career. So she really drilled all her students to be really professional. And that's how it came. And I came to Europe in 98, 
98 to study in a conservatorium to do a master and that time they didn't have a master's in 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 conservatorium now they have a lot so but it was a kind of a master in opera performance and lead so i had both of uh, this education and that's uh, and then i'm in europe ever since so it's been a long journey as soon as i arrived here it i felt like it was predestinated i felt totally at home the conservatorium in holland was a very international place so i had friends from france from italy from from england from korea and uh, i felt immediately taken because i already had absolutely no problem with that and i had absolutely loved the the kind of um discipline that they asked for me the kind of challenge that they asked for me the kind of professional that they wanted me to be something that in brazil we always have to create ourselves because the level is not so um so as as high as here in europe so i had i had really to to be pushed and that is exactly what i wanted did you feel any kind of prejudice for being uh, a foreigner when you arrived as an artist oh not at all i was i was totally totally taken as as a dear a dear person i was kind of a small for everybody so i felt like a like a brazilian pet <laughs> everybody really like took me under their arm and <laughs> including the teacher it was amazing i had friends and we were living in it was so nice we were living in a kind of student building everybody was neighbor from everybody behind below me there was an organist uh, organist beside a violinist and i was talking to my colleague in france like two italians in the in the in the in the um, uh, balcony Yay! Yeah. let's cook together let's eat together no what time are you leaving to school yeah it was a kind of a life that one can only dream of it was like fantastic and we were after school we went went to the to have a drink in this cafe this beautiful european at, uh, atmosphere i felt immediately in the place where i i had to be and did you feel i think the the next journey i wanted to talk about would be like your own journey as an artist in terms of discovering your own voice as an artist because i don't know about you but i when i arrived uh in in london i feel i was so happy to be here uh, i always had this desire for learning more and I, exactly as you described to be pushed to 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 kind of feed myself with all the surroundings that you you have here uh in terms of knowledge and history and not saying that brazil doesn't have of course it does but in our world of classical music it's you know you you arrive in europe with this hunger for so so much more but i i don't know how was it for you but for me it took a couple of years for me to find myself as an artist as everything that as i that i was as an artist and a, a brazilian who came to europe who had my own uh, way of singing way of performing and and eventually many years later i i found my own voice uh, how was it for you the I mean I know the journey into an artist's voice never never ends because we change in life and we keep changing as people and and this will reflect. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about that period as a student that transition from a student to the professional in this international career which is a different thing now wasn't it? Yes totally. I felt like I was already prepared When I arrived in Europe I already had a very solid technique and uh, I there was a base of school of Neji Thomas was Thomas was really a very and I I really carry until now uh, I had a, a little bit a, a few setbacks because um the way they saw my voice was different from the way I was working with Neji so they wanted to make my voice a little bit heavier than my my voice was So I actually had problems adapting this. So I had a very healthy um voice pure and then suddenly I had to push suddenly I had to do more volume which was absolutely not necessary. It's just a fragment of a uh, question of taste. So I had to 
I arrived and I arrived very well. I was I never had problems like cancellations or trying to to lose my appetite and and I was always spontaneous. I felt like my I could contribute with a little bit looseness in my class and my friends because uh, I was uh, kind of free to interpret it. I was uh, like I loved the stage always so I felt like the the environment around me was was very welcoming and was getting even more more relaxed when I was around. So I think what I can say is that I felt that more that if I stay true to myself and I stay authentic, everybody can grow. And that that was already um, uh, the feeling I had. I was never really setting my my whole personality back. I felt, au contraire, that I had to expand it even more and to be reaffirming the way I was. And uh, so I had to, in this voice, I had to... I had a setback because my voice was very uh, dark for my own feeling, but I also earned a lot of other things in the repertoire. I was singing um, other ways. So I was singing the Queen of the Night in Brazil some way, a little bit lighter. And when I was came, I had to, to put a little bit more dramatic, dramat, dramat, dra, dramaticity in my sound. So that was kind of interesting to find these other possibilities of the sound. But I must say that in the course of the day, of the years, I felt the necessity to really come back to my old technical roots. So the old technical exercise, just because my voice was so used to it. I think as a coloratura soprano, we are, our voices are, are kind of, um, they are like little birds, you know. If you cannot do the, the kind of tweet, 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 you feel like, like you are an unhappy person. Eh? You have to be able to, to do this tweet, 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 staccato, the, the pianissimo and the high notes. And, and, and if you are not free to do that technically, you feel like, like you are an elephant, you know. And then I, I rediscovered again uh, ways of, of singing. And I was always, always... It's like always to try to, to keep the voice healthy because of the job, the many concerts in the year. So I was always, always, always on the, on the attention of voice. I had to quit my job many times from, from the tour just because I thought, okay, now the voice is too heavy, too tired from seven years concerts or for seven, seven, from three years to tours. I had really to take a conscious decision of, hey, okay, you can have a job, it's very beautiful, you can have a great salary, you have five stars, stars hotel, but if your voice is not healthy, if you feel tired, you have to take the, the choice. So as my life is really a kind of always revising and taking care of these transitions, like you say. Wow, it's our it's our instrument, isn't it? I think yeah. uh, it's so important to take care of it. There's one thing we we I think we we didn't talk for the people listening. So you were in Europe and your career started, and then you you had your journey into Andre Rieu's life and mm -hmm. world, and this massive, completely different. Thing, which it's not exactly what probably you imagine you'll be doing when you left Brazil, yeah. uh, but you were uh, one of his biggest stars for many, many years. And, and then you found your journey out of that. So I really would like to, to hear how was this life with the Andrea tour uh, period and how was it going, going back to probably who you were always inside, you know, the, the artist you are inside with more freedom to do whatever you want to do, which I think for us as artists is what we want to do, isn't it? To be able to do different things. Would you like to share that a little bit, your experience? Yeah, as I say, uh, everything, I see my life really as every moment as a gift and uh, as everything happened in the right moment, I think. Of course, when you come to Europe, imagine yourself immediately on the stage and on the opera stage. 
and uh, I was my life if if that didn't happen it was gonna happen in this reg- uh, uh, di- direction because I had sang in the in Mun- Munich and I had a good agent and he was gonna already I had a good critic from a concert I did there so they put me like a new talent that's coming singing Olympia and stuff like that so I had already kind of a light that's that signed me that it is possible but as as I was a student at the conservatorium uh, and Andre Rieu is from Maastricht he was looking for sopranos to sing with him and some colleagues brought me to the studio and say oh you look for a high soprano here's somebody who can sing very high <laughs> and then and that's how I met him and uh, and it was really a click uh, I really he uh, was so wonderful to me. He really engaged me for a, um, a job. So also something that it's very difficult when you start a career to have a, a steady job. You start more, mostly as a freelance. You do thousands of auditions and you go from one job to another. And that was, I, I must say, it's a kind of a luck for me that I had really um, then for the first seven years a steady job with a, with a salary. I remember me and my colleague Carmen, we were so so happy and we were looking at each other saying, oh my God, we were shopping in, in, in Austria. We were shopping like Ellen. Oh my God, we would look at each other. Oh my God, that's so nice to have a salary. We were just laughing because it's you are a young girl and you have a fantastic... is the luxury for the artists, isn't it? That's yeah, we have a salary. <laughs> Every month is coming, you know. It's it's it's. I must say, nobody. Maybe I am laughing like that, but it's really like that. It's very a uh, a luxury thing because you you have to struggle all the time, like a freelance. Okay, now I'm I'm another fi- phase of my life. But what I can say is that it was wonderful. I mean, this kind of stability was. I I had top top concerts, so I was traveling all around the world were in the beginning 120 concerts per year can you imagine i was always on the road always on the road i i just knew my 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 suitcase sometimes i changed the suitcase just to change a little bit <laughs> but you know <laughs> suitcase was getting bigger because of the shopping no no just kidding uh, <laughs> but um what happened is that that it was wonderful because i had wonderful colleagues i was in my young age so my really my top form top form physically also and mentally because you were uh, you were mentally up to those to sing in japan at four in the morning actually you know because you have you travel 12 hours in a plane and arrive sleep in a hotel and in the other day you have one day free and the other day you have to sing and you do have to sing in the middle of the night actually your body saying oh no no please no high notes please no no you have to sing those high notes but you have to learn to to kind of put your voice in shape doesn't matter which time of the the day so it's a profession that it it requires absolutely discipline so as i was living like leontine price said i was living like a nun actually now i was really sleeping well not drinking so much and uh, not drinking during the tour just after a tour and then we had a drink and stuff because in the beginning i said oh let's go to the bar let's let's talk about the concert you have always this adrenaline but then you realize oh oh, it's not gonna work if i do that every day tomorrow is not gonna yeah. No, no, tomorrow I have to sing a high A flat or a high F or I cannot, I cannot, I cannot. So you have to have a discipline. It's a hard life. But what I can say, my, my, my great years I had, uh, we were always in great venues. I saw the world, really, every country, every continent. And uh, I had a, a kind of a world vitrine, like a kind of a world uh, spread. He recorded DVDs back then. Now it's even for him, it's difficult to record those DVDs that look like fairy tales. And yes. you had the best settings and you had everybody in the whole world knows about you. And, and also I think uh, what people can't maybe imagine is, is the feeling of performing for so many people. 
and the people you can't deny that the people in those concerts they they have the most amazing experience and then you're a part of that is is something so valuable isn't it to share music live mm-hmm. uh, with such a great audience probably that was probably priceless I can imagine. Priceless. I remember so, so for example, when I was doing some funny stuff, and and then uh, and then when you do some funny stuff, you you hear this huge amount of laughs. So twenty thousand people laughing. You know, it's really like I mean, or clapping, or having fun, or being really emotional. So it it it's really amazing i remember the first time i was in uh, we had always new year concerts in Köln, and uh, was two concerts it was very heavy one in the morning one in the afternoon and uh, i remember was for in the we started with the german tour and then and and in the moment we were in in Köln, and we just like a wall of people and i and i get like a shock at me very young first year and and then you start and you give it's kind of, it's a kind of energy that is indescribable like you say these thousands of people really watching and enjoying and uh, it's a kind of physical for the artist also this yeah. this massive mass of applause this this uh, jubilee of 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 uh, people enjoying music and yeah what I can I say? I felt like I was the Beatles of the classical <laughs> back then. Exactly, no, because I think one thing, uh, you know, when you are a classical singer, you you can experience fame, but never at this level. You know, I think what yeah. Wanderavio did in terms of the publicity, everybody knows your face and who you are in the whole world. I remember being in a concert in our hometown, back in our hometown a few years ago, I can't remember, Carla, and we went to OSPA, the, the symphony orchestra yeah. concert hall in Porto Alegre, where we come, we came from. And coincidentally, I was there and Carla was singing there. And I went to the concert and, oh my God, there were like so many buses, right? And I was like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And then there were <laughs> tours of buses of people in the south of Brazil, or I don't know where they came from. They all came to see Carla. <laughs> And and it was like Carla Mafioletti in all the buses, and I, we could I couldn't even say hi to you that day because it was impossible to find you. As well, because I remember going, no, I'm not gonna even try, I'm not gonna even try, because and I remember you you came on stage, you, you haven't even sung anything, and the whole people were. So crazy, and I was like, "Wow! Like for an opera singer to have that—that in Brazil, you know." Just, I was so happy. I was beyond happy. This, yeah. this is the life. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I remember. I think it was one of the most beautiful moments in my career yeah. because you know you, we we dedicate many years abroad. Now we we are we work hard and and we. Everybody knows from, but when you come to your own town and the back, back then was my hype, man. Actually, I was in the, even in the end, in the beginning, you know, they didn't, Rio came very late in Brazil. I was sending yeah. DVDs for the television to the RBS. I was sending material, but they didn't have interest. They just thought, what's that? And and I thought, my God, when, I, when are they going to discover this man? <laughs> And so, me and myself forget me, me. him I'm, I'm from here you know we are don't, don't are you aren't you proud of some artists from your own own, own country and so sometimes it's very difficult because they own everybody is just worried about their own uh, musical environment and they don't see uh, make me sometimes the the many artists that are abroad and doing career so it's it's very Sometimes it's very difficult for them to realize, oh my God, and to value that. So I think I, that moment, and um, and it was, I must say, I must thank very much the public itself because the public did the whole spreading of the news. They organized, they were mobilizing, they came from all over the country to see the fans. I, I, I just know, knew them from internet and I saw them for the first time there teachers and so the public did that and and I I felt like amazed amazed and then the uh, the whole media started to to a little bit to see okay this girl okay that's what happened to her but I was so happy in that day I remember sitting home quiet because 
I think the success, somebody imagined that the success you're going to, ah, okay, of course, I, I open a champagne and stuff like that. But the, the really joy comes when you are really alone and where to yourself and then you are really like, oh, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for, for this uh, recognition. So happy that I did a very nice concert and, and the public connected. And I feel, I felt really like I am in many occasions in my life. It doesn't matter if big or small concert. I really feel very great. Uh, it's a huge gratitude for what I'm able to, to be doing. So it's really very, a very happy life. So and then you were a, a big star everywhere and you had this... A celebrity life and then you decide to no I don't want to do this anymore so everybody probably thinks oh my god is she crazy no she's not crazy now you're gonna tell us why so when when, when it became that moment when you thought when you thought okay um I've done this and now is the new phase because that's how it happens I guess isn't it in our lives we we change and we want different things and we want to be able to share things in a different way um so how was it for you and what happened afterwards yeah i must say that well i had had already some tests of how it's gonna be to leave this whole fame part i stopped after like i said to you after seven years my voice was tired and i and i i wanted to stop and i i quit these marvelous jobs and everybody said are you crazy like you say are you crazy and I said, oh, no, I cannot anymore. I need some air. I need to do something. I wanted to do opera. And then I stopped. It took me one year to put my voice in the right healthy place to sing opera because I was singing with microphone. And that's very bad for developing. Uh, you, don't, you, you create false, false inputs of, of what is to project a voice. You don't have any projection. You just hear yourself in a PA or in, in the uh, in the hall itself. So I took me one year of hard job and I did an audition and was taken in, in, in Gießen in Germany in a theater. I stayed there for three years and I did something like uh, 20 operas. And then Andre called me again and then I went back and I got and I got also tired because it was a really hard job and it, they 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 were searching for for roles for me. And I look at the roles, what they wanted for me, and I thought, mm, I think they are not right for me at the moment. So it's also a decision. So they, you see, every year they put in advance what you're going to sing. So I thought, maybe it's not so uh, for now, for this moment. So I decided also to quit. So I quit also the job. So I said, are you crazy going to quit the, the theater? The opera job. The yeah. opera job. I quit. I quit the theater. So it's also a quit. Yeah? So I think, I think one, thing, one yeah. thing people don't uh, realize in our professions, like we are so afraid of saying no to anything because we are always afraid nobody's going to call us back. So quitting and saying no is extremely brave, isn't it, for an artist? Oh, for, of so, course. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you are left alone you just are left you just left with your will and your really conscience of yourself of your potential so you have really like it's like a, a a relationship i sell like you have a partner and it's wonderful and but in a moment you feel like you are suffocated you have a house you have everything a comfort a car and stuff and you have a, everything is nice grandma blah 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 family but you have to sometimes really to say are you happy are you are you working in your whole potential and that's the thing i think i always was very uh, ambitious in not in career but in ambitious in developing I think you you are also also an, an example for me you are like a mega developer you are you are already you are really reinventing yourself all the time and creating wonderful things now you have to take take the the credit for this courageousness of creating so I have a compromise with myself with my own human artistic development and of course if you have a job is is wonderful but in the artistic way if you are not able to create and be free as a creative person this talent or your passion that's your whole motivation is gonna is gonna cramp is gonna 
is going to crush you. And that's what we have to take care of. And it's brave and it's dangerous, the moves we do, because we are really uh, uh, jumping in a cliff and you don't know if there are safety net under it. But you are jumping the cliff and in the midway, you are going to find out you have wings and you're going to fly over this cliff. And that's the feeling that I have always, that I, I, I jump because I want to this rebirth, because I believe, I really believe that I have these wings and somehow in the right moment, they're going to spread up and they're going to find another way, another country, another cliff, another tree. Yeah. And that's the way I, I, I have this compromise. So I, I must say I was very much of a quitter. <laughs> I was very much of a quitter because I, I quit that and then I, I, I went to the theater, I quit the theater and I bang, came back to Rio and I came did another wonderful years, another wonderful DVDs. And again, came a moment that I thought, okay, now I did 12 years of tour and I, I talked to him and now I, I did an audition in, in, in Switzerland, in Luzern, and they took me so to be again back in the opera. So I talked to Rie and I said, thank you very much for those wonderful years, but now I think it's time I go. He was very understanding. He, he, he did a kind of a farewell concert and it was very beautiful because he did in this, this beautiful uh, square in Maastricht and he talked to the people, like 30,000 people, Carla is going to go to the opera, mm -hmm. it's, it's her last concert. And then... And then I sang Caronomi and, and the whole public came uh, up and like, thank you. Like also a way of uh, saying, thank you, Carla. And that was wonderful Amazing. years. So I must say, this, when I think about this moment, I, found, I feel also so gracious that I had opportunity to say goodbye in such a beautiful way. And I think the, the great thing of being in the 21st century that you can still watch Carla doing her amazing <laughs> things with Andrea Vier. And, and I think uh, this moment you just described, it was probably so emotional. And it also gave the audience the opportunity to thank you. If you're enjoying this podcast, there are three simple things you can do to support our work. First, subscribe. This way you will never miss an episode. Second, Tell about us to a friend or a family member. You always have someone to share the stories of this interview. Third, give us a review on iTunes or whatever other channel you subscribe. This way, you will be helping others to find our podcast. I, lo I loved your description about the wings because I think... Um, um... I think sometimes being Brazilian helped us to have these wings. What do you think about that? Because I, uh, many people ask me sometimes, oh, well, how do you do when things are difficult? Or how do you keep going? And well, number one, I think I always believed, you tell me what you think. I always believe that being an artist is not really a choice. You are an artist. And if you are not, if you don't do your artist thing if part of you doesn't doesn't is not alive yeah. so those wings for me it's they they belong to that because i know that whatever i would do differently i would have to find my wings to do in a different way i think being brazilian it's a great part of that because we see the people in brazil being creative on a daily basis isn't it yeah, it's true. We, 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 in Brazil, we have to, to create a situation. Yeah, because there is no situation there. There's no like a, a, a thousand theaters or 300 theaters. You make an audition, you have a job. They have maybe in the country three theaters in these millions and millions of singers and artists who are really engaging you if they do an opera production. I mean, it's very rare. I mean, although the musical, classical music is still growing in Brazil, which I find very positive. And um, in comparison to Europe, to Europe, the, the younger people, they are really tired about it. They, they are not interested. But in Brazil, they are. Mm -hmm. In Brazil, it's a potential, potential country yeah. in this sense. So I think like, uh, yeah, Brazilian, you know, you have to create a situation. So yeah. Now with this, this whole uh, pandemic, uh, people, people here and I look at my colleagues, uh, nothing is happening. And I, I mean, I did like five, five projects on something in during yes. this year. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> create lots of 
things and learned how to mix, master, record, and blah, and, and present, and internet, YouTube, blah. I name it. I did everything. It's just kind of Brazilian way. Né? Yeah. We have to create this, uh, the situation, but most of all, we don't feel like we are limited, I think. We feel like we can, I think. Yes. We are a little bit more like like a samba, you yeah. know, you make here and there, and then you find another way of escaping the crisis or reinventing the crisis, of dancing with the crisis, you know? So I think uh, it's so, a, kind of a lighter way of seeing uh, things and possibilities with a little bit more creative, a little bit more, feel like maybe not... We are not afraid of failure as some other people are, I think, yeah. because we come already from a hard, you know, you came to Europe, it's, it's a hard thing, you have to, yes. I came without scholarship from Brazil, I came with, you know, people in Brazil, teachers, uh, some, they wanted to, to just to uh, make everything more difficult for me to go out, but I, I, I really was really stubborn and I, and I was really determined and, and this kind of coming from with a hard way, because it's a struggle, you have to survive, you have to find an apartment, and it, it's, you have to speak another language to learn a culture, to, to get a visa or whatever. <laughs> you so know? many chapters of so that story. Many chapters, you know, so that's why we, we are thinking, I think the most important thing is that we are not afraid of failure. Failure is just, just, a, just a pause. It's just a, and you learn so much from it. I don't, I don't even think there is a failure. I think there are steps that are difficult. There are steps that are silence and you have to, understand and and uh, be in peace with those silent moments in life and then regain energy take the oath né? like an eagle take the old yeah. old uh, feathers and, and and be rebirthed the phoenix like the phoenix the phoenix yeah yeah the phoenix exactly yeah that's so, so let's uh, i'm gonna challenge your creativity now then because if you don't know well you should know carla by now a little bit more but she is not only a singer, she's, a, as she told, a classical guitarist, composer, producer, artistic director. I remember, I, I don't know, I can't, help me, Carla. Oh, a no. sound engineer. Uh, so <laughs> her life was going super well. And then the pandemic came. And as exactly as you were describing, many people panicked. So many artists around the world. Uh, the phone was not ringing anymore. People didn't have any gigs. Uh, and, you know, Carla, what did you do? Immediately jumped to a project, to another project, to another project and created art and created, you know, different ways of sharing her art in a way that was also fair. And now we are going to talk mm -hmm. about the important, challenging part of this conversation. You know, you created Ski Alive, which were this beautiful, high quality concert in your house, but you didn't do it for free you you sold your tickets yes uh, yes you know the whole world was sharing uh, music art for free but you didn't you yeah. and some theaters uh but now maybe some artists are starting to do that but you from the beginning decided not to do yeah uh, and now i want us to really go into this because covid is not finished yet we have established a new way of sharing art, which I think is wonderful and is positive. And as you said, we all learned a lot. And I think there was a, a gap in our education as, yeah. as performers. I think from now on, every university should add compulsory classes for recording, self-recording, self-editing, and giving us some notion of mm -hmm. how to do that for ourselves. For sure. Because we always use our voice, you know, we are not pop singers, so we are not used to microphones. You were with Andrea here, but you were not managing everything. You, no. you <laughs> They were doing it for you. And then we, we sing in beautiful halls with natural acoustic. And then suddenly we have to, what, what's this? It's a microphone. And then the sound of the computer is horrible. And our quality uh, control is completely, ah! god i don't want to sound like that but anyway you you did it all you went around and you created your own mini studio in the high class uh, performances Thank but you. this has not solved the problem has it 
I just hope. Oh no, of course not. This is already. This is only a, a light, light way of starting thing. A possible way, uh, was a necessary solution because, as you said, the moment the pandemic started, I was working a theater in Germany doing an opera from from Offenbach, and we had performance until July. And in March, twenty seventh of March was our last performance and we were always waiting if if this going to come back or not in germany they already um helped they paid the, the half of the salary from from this performance but as a matter of fact the reality is that when the pandemic starts all the freelance community of musicians were really left astray and it was really even in a country like Germany, already a shameless thing. Because it's, I have many colleagues that are still now struggling with a lack of, uh, of um, engagements. And uh, actually, me, uh, I have a basic uh, earning from concert that it was, I was working with concerts my whole life. I mean, I was teaching just a small few students, but in 30 years of my career, I was just doing concerts and imagine that you have something like 20 cancellations you have of course it's not 100 cancellations but these 20s are 20 well-paid cancellations and this 20 this 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 concert simply disappeared from your agenda and they are going to be rebooked of course hopefully but some other is just disappear and they are not going to be replaced and then as an artist you feel like you are totally abandoned because as you probably know and everybody noticed all the other professions they were working from home and probably they returned to work soon after three months and they carry on with their own lives and we artists are really on we are like we are inexistent like I'm, I mean, the creative part. I feel like I'm part now of this freelance community, which is a high, a top level uh, soloist. I consider me, I like, like a professional. I'm not like an amateur. I'm just doing that for for my whole life. And this, this, this kind of of, of sector of of the performance, it was really like not taken in into consideration during this pandemic not really thought of and that's why I felt like a necessity to create an environment where my whole potential my whole creativity and creation could still develop I felt very um, I felt triggered I, I felt like a little bit I really disappointed that from the beginning on the whole institution and culture industry didn't realize how important was to create an environment where the public should consume music they were giving videos for free they were giving wonderful streaming blah 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 you know it was really like like a party time man you know i felt like when are you gonna wake up i'm not talking not, not talking about like the moment it's like a kind of whole financial circuit of investments and the financial market that is really disappeared. It was millions and millions and millions of euros that were running on the entertainment and theater circle and um, engaging not only singers, artists, uh, stage designers, costume. Uh, I, it's such a complex structure. And I felt the, okay, those instruments institution institutions who were supported by the state the big orchestras and they had of course the security of the stage they were doing they did they, they could invest in these wonderful millions uh, because to make a broadcast like that is cost really a, a lot of money so they have, of course they had all the structure to do that but the most frustrating thing for me was to see I'm not talking about the music industry itself, but the engagement of the audience. That's the point I want to talk. The world is changing. And I don't mean we artists are changing. We always do the same thing ever. We are creating, we are making wonderful music, 
But the world is changing, the interest is changing. The kind of uh, wanted to learn and, and be immersed in this music, this beauty, qual high quality music is changing. The interest of the audience is changing. I think it's very, was really for me, very sad in a way to say, to see those huge live broadcasts, I mean, from Concert Rebau, Berliner Philharmonica, name it. And you have big concert halls, which used to have 2,000 pay tickets, 2,000 full audience who pay their ticket, maybe 100 for a ticket or whatever. And they did this live broadcast for free in the internet. And you see only 200 people watching. And you see 300 people watching. And I think, like, what is going on with the world? So now they have access, like everybody has, from everything. Everybody, from these big, big, big concert halls, the top soloists, best orchestras in the world, and here for free on the internet. And they are not watching. That was, for me, the most determined thing in the whole thing and I said if you don't value art how come you ask you want to ask to be recognized if you don't you know I think it's something like you like when everybody like mm -hmm. you like like is very easy you just put a thumb a thumb is very nice very participate but that, that's not real life you don't want what everybody has have you know you, I think is that the thing you Art is not something that you just throw it in the world. You have to cherish. You have to make the contact with the person. You have to, like, you know, Rolex is not throwing or uh, watches all over for, for free. No, because he has a value. And art has a value. You cannot throw just, just like that for people who are not interested. Something that costs millions just because you have uh, uh, support from the state. That's, that's absurd is gonna crash the whole cultural system so it's as a kind of philosophical existential thing that we have to really sit down and realize i was doing the concerts for for free from the beginning because as you know because of the relationship with with the, this big media of Andre Rieu, I was already in YouTube and social media for more than 10 years. And many of the artists, they were discovering YouTube and social media in the desperate of getting there now with this pandemic. And I had a little bit more uh, knowledge of a little bit like how the things work, but I also didn't know. In the beginning of my pandemic, I did three sessions of breathing read, and it was amazing. I did set, six, six section, sections and had to, in a in a, in in one month or three months uh, two months I don't remember how much uh, something like hundred thousand views and so people were doing breathing exercise with me for free in the Sunday so there was a kind of I didn't know how to do live it was kind of for me like a, a laboratory of how yeah. to interact with people and that was wonderful. I, I, I thought that was the bug and I really discovered this live thing live concert that's wonderful because it can substitute a little bit the adrenaline what we have in a normal concert you know that now you have yes. for experience so in a normal concert you have this adrenaline people are there in in the same thing you have when you're doing a live performance and that i love that but then i realized that when you do something for free it's, it's wonderful interacting is fantastic but when to to really to pre present an artistic work I didn't want because a concert is a one hour artistic job you arrange you perform you rehearse I didn't want to give that because that's that's not who I am I value my work so if you want to join me if you want to really be immersed you they bought a ticket but you know what is the positive of buying a ticket it's not like like you are in the internet oh there's a concert I'm gonna watch 10 minutes oh, or five minutes and then zap to another Facebook profile yeah. or zip zap to another YouTube when they commit with their time and their investment they are from minute one to minute last all together with with me all together with us so it's another kind of commitment 
And that's what I found very beautiful. I can see in YouTube, you can see how long people stay watching your video. And it was from the beginning until end, a big, big, big bar of people. Everybody was watching from beginning to end. So it's a kind of commitment you need for art when people are really into it. How do we encourage people to continue to do that, though, as artists? It's a, it's a very busy, it's still very busy out there online. Yeah. Uh, and I think now we are, we are getting to a new phase when concert halls are also charging for concerts uh, a little bit. Uh, but you still, as you said, I mean, you, you don't have the 2,000 people watching uh, yeah. Berlin Philharmonic, do you? Sometimes no, you it's see. surprising that you don't. No, oh, surprising. I, and I did many print screens. I did a register that. I registered that because I thought, ah, oh, that was not true. Everybody was watching. It was, no, I have, I have really. And then I did some artists and they were doing live. And I thought, my God, they knew why they're doing that. So I think it's very a crucial thing because you want to be in front. You want to be seen. So you have to compromise. So, for example, you don't need to give a whole concert for free. Give one song for free. Give a trailer for free. Give a kind of taste for free. But don't give your whole soul for free. You have to find a balance between staying on the media and preserving your intellectual intellectual property. property. Yeah. yeah, it's your intellectual property. You can never value your yourself if you don't have a value. That's the number point, number one. And I know for experience that 6,000 fans, 6,000 likes, a big media is nothing when you cannot sell one CD, when you cannot sell one concert, when you cannot commit this public to come with you in this path. So it's a kind of interest interest that you have so i think what i want to encourage encourage make encouragement for artists that you have to bound with your with your public like they are your groupies you know i have my groupies no it was it's like a family it's wonderful and for me those those people who are in the spia life they count for a hundred thousand fans I tell you what this, what the big media, the big technology, internet, and rich wants to you to believe is that rich is satisfaction, but rich is not satisfaction. As much rich as you get, as less um, you are valued for your work. Honestly, I tell you an example. I want to example that. I don't want to be cruel. But it's, it's something like, for example, these YouTube videos. There's millions and millions of views that, uh, that for example, Andre has. You know, the first cash is going to go to the record label. The second big cash is going to go to the Andre itself. And when is going to arrive to the orchestra? When is going to arrive to the guests, to the soloists, you know? So the bigger you get, the more, less control you have. Over. The other thing is, is Spotify, for example. It's huge. It's huge. And then and then you see how much of free artists, independent artists, that are putting quality work there and how less they're getting paid for that. And then you know that in Spotify, the big pot is going to go to the, the person who has more artists. And of course, it's the big label. So... I must tell you that the more bigger exposition doesn't mean really necessarily that you're going to really be acknowledged for your intellectual and artistic production. So you have a duty with yourself as an artist to create your own musical environment, your groupies, your community, people who are going to engage really not only being there sharing wonderful moments but being there in your whole mini industry your whole market so i think it's very important that everybody sits with their own public with their own true public and really everybody stay together i think i think also it's, it's also a it's part of our job now as artists i feel like to educate our uh the public as well a little bit because uh, i think classical music comes with a with an unspoken idea that oh it's so glamorous 
uh, of course, they, they are all fine. They're all well paid. Uh, and, and I think very few people as audience, sometimes, sometimes it's just lack of information. Sometimes it's really our job to tell people that, guys, this is not how it works. Uh, we don't have a salary. You, you don't do your work for free. So when we yeah. ask for, for a contribution, it's not for always should be so mean. It's because it's part of our life. And as you said, if you don't value what we do, it's not going to be valued by others. And I think we need, to, and as you said, when, when people f- are with you and, uh, and not, I don't like the word fans, but as a community, because I think music is, a, is an exchange of energy and, and we are part of this community as well as artists. And they are, and if people like who we are as artists, of course they will want to support us, uh, but sometimes they are not aware. That's what I find. And I find no. very, very, almost no, no education from the, the, the big companies who should be doing that, who should be raising awareness about how to value artists properly. And I see very little about that. It's totally. Now it was the proof. This yeah. pandemic was the proof that what classical music don't need uh, classical music had a rich possibility, had the free free media possibility, and didn't bring anything. It it was really like, you know, you you have the whole world could look to the Berlin Symphonic, or the whole world could look to whatever, and you know, it's not the rich that is gonna make the difference. It's how you communicate. The people who are sitting in front of television for hours and not getting classical music on the television, not getting music education on schools. The children who's not gonna learn an instrument, they don't are they don't take this from home, which we had the chance to. I, I'm very lucky that I had the chance as a child to study music. But doesn't mean that I was gonna be a musician or not. Music, classical music, study music is good for your brains. What I find is like a meme in the world, you know. All the kinds of media that, that they're creating around you is like to, to making people and children and, and less empathic and less intelligent. You know, if you don't bring... I, I, I cannot imagine a person, if you're, you're a parent and you raise your kid and you don't bring it to a concert and to a museum, which kind of person are you wanting this, this kid to be? You know, which you want him to... to to have a reason to 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 have his own feeling, to have a own image of itself, or only an image of itself in comparison to others. You know, this kind of personality formation, this kind of of uh, of ability, developing uh, intelligence, empathy, sensitivity. I was thinking about once I was here in the pandemic and I was watching a concert from Angela Hewitt uh, talk uh, playing Bach. Bach and I was, uh, I must say, very, very relaxed here doing my nails, manicure and stuff. And I was watching this wonderful concert from Angela Hewitt and I was crying. My, are you crying? And I was, and I look around and hear television, hear television. I said, my God, I wish these people would, would really feel the way I feel. The, 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 when you have contact with art, when you, it's in the beginning a little bit more difficult. It's complex, but because it's complex, it lasts very quick. It's like you have, it's like eating a, a bar of sugar. You have immediately satisfaction. You look at television with a bill, those, those, those images, you have immediate satisfaction. But it's, when it finishes, you feel like empty and you want to turn the television again, you'd never be satisfied. And when you watch a concert like that, when you watch a quality, quality material this material this concert is gonna carry you for your whole life i mean i talk about life events when i remember being in a concert hall and watching a symphony from those moments i remember so well i'm gonna carry my whole life and that's quality of art. And you know, what's happening to the world is so, I'm not talking about it. I don't want to be an artist who's looking into this belly button. I want to look to the world and see what's going to happen to the audience. Where is the audience? And that we have to get to them. We have to get to them. We have to captivate them. 
to feel to this sensitivity as human being because that's our potential we're not we're not robots we're not making a beautiful shoe in the hands with a with a robot or or with with hands of slave children creating beautiful fashionable clothes we are not that we are human beings creating a human material art material that is gonna touch the souls of everybody so it's something that is never it can never be substituted by pixels never it's really so is that what what we have to create an environment to captivate our public our world to be sensitive again to be sensitive again to come back to the theaters again if we leave them go they're gonna disappear and that's our mission that's for me the most beautiful mission ever is not to 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 let these people lose the appetite for art that my that's my biggest motivation i think it's something that it indescribable we feel like we have a mission yeah carla we could spend another hour talking mm -hmm. i'm gonna ask you to end oh. uh, going back to your wings i really love that idea so mm -hmm. if what we are asking here then or your i want two messages from you Uh, and your encouragement, your encouraging message to artists and to audiences. Artists need to grow new wings now and the audiences as well. What's your mess your final message to artists and your invitation to audiences as well to help us to grow those wings together so we can, you know, fly high and uh, get music in a constant go in our lives, not only music, but art in general. Yes, I think it's um, a wing is something that is, is a biological thing. So you have to just to create that yourself. You have to believe in the power of transformation and believe that you have a potential and believe that you, you are a single and most precious bird and every bird is different every bird has their quality every bird has their feathers every bird has their own colors we are so unique but if we have birds the same kind of birds in a universe it's boring and it's not gonna survive we need this many colors of birds so if you have a community of artists that let their freedom of creation really go go with the flow with the flow of their own wings their own free wings is going to be a healthy society success is very important but authenticity is the number one authenticity is the number one and the rich is an illusion because you can fly one meter like the most gorgeous flight ever and you can fly 100 kilometers and don't feel fulfilled you have to find the way of flying this period and living this distance intensively so it's a small step but you have to be fully there you have to acknowledge you don't want to be in the top of the mountain you want to be in the wings of the wind to be carried around so you you have to believe it and you have to create an environment around you that is gonna be in peace with the way you are you have to be around people who is gonna in, who are gonna really see your feathers as beauty and understand the beauty of your own feathers so if you are in an environment that doesn't see your feathers as yours or see them as ugly or see them as not present just fly away just go fly away just try another one and if nobody finds you you just you just have to find this force on yourself because we artists are really human material human creation human soul we are something that we cannot be tactile something that you cannot touch and we have to protect this like it's this whole whole emotions to to cherish take care of your soul because this is your own we are masterpiece we are our own masterpiece 
and we are just like just just like a message né like a message of beauty you see somebody you're gonna see just a wave on their eye on their head of your wings and somebody is gonna be really gonna see you really and there's somebody gonna hang on you and fly with you so when they hang on you and fly with you that's fantastic that's fantastic you know don't want the whole sky just want do just want to to gather this 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 kind of world you have to create your own world you have to to see what makes you happy which repertoire makes you happy which musicians are nice to play with you and and that's the way it's gonna be I, I, my you know i i it's very philosophical but it is philosophical art is, is philosophical. of course of course it and, is. Uh, it's it's the way it is it's the way it is everybody is, is value valuable and we have to to captivate our audience our audience have to come back to us Leave this, leave this television, leave this... Netflix. No, it's not the television, it's the in, infinite pool of social media, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, totally. But it's also television, it's also Netflix, it's also... <laughs> people don't realize they are becoming some kind of zombies of, of this, this whole information because you are alone, you have no possibility, no social life. But, but we, as cultural institutions, you have to educate and and show what are the possibilities, what are the beauty of, 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 of a lead, of a music, more than just emotion. The whole statics is so such a world in classical music. We have to really, more than just perform, we have to captivate. Thank you so much for being here. I hope we can see each other live. Oh, I hope so, dear. Soon. You know, I'm, I admire you a lot. Oh, it's like me. Yeah, you are a bird with wonderful feathers. And <laughs> I want to hang on on you also. <laughs> oh, don't worry. Uh, we hang on each other. <laughs> yeah. And uh, thank you very much for this wonderful talk to you. As you said, we could talk for ages now. <laughs> we, we can, we can. Yeah. And then the, but I don't know if people will join us for three hours, though. <laughs> no, well, we divided. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. A very big hug. Thank you, my dear. For listeners wanting to learn more about Donne and everything that we do, please visit our website on www.donne-uk.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, please go to iTunes to subscribe. And while you're there, it will be great if you could rate and review the show and spread the word on social media. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to being with you in our next episode.